Hello, this is the Saluki Games Cast for Monday, March 28th, 2022. My name is Justin Young, and joining me as usual are Alicia Utek, Ryan Friels, and OJ Duncan. How's it going? Going pretty good. How's everybody else doing? I'm doing pretty good myself. I'm doing pretty good as well. Oh, you're all selling that. <laughs> <laughs> it's that point in the semester, Justin. We're all dying. It's fine. Five more weeks. Very tired. I, I was actually doing okay, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're Tell the me your one. Secrets. How are you okay? <laughs> you're the one grad student who's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sleepy, but that's to, that's to be expected. I yeah. think. Anybody do anything exciting this past week? I went up to St. Louis, so that was pretty fun. What did you do in St. Louis? Um, so I was meeting my boyfriend's parents for the first time. Oh. So we did like a trolley tour and checked out a couple of the local sites. He brought us to a really good restaurant, so it was good. Now, have you been to St. Louis before, or is this your first time? I've been in and out. This was the first time I've really done any of like the touristy stuff. Okay. St. Louis is, I think, a pretty cool city, um, you know, depending on what you're looking for and everything. There's some good restaurants in St. Louis, and the Science Museum's really cool. Uh, it's a really nice science museum. Anyone else? I went to my hometown, visited friends and family, had a good time, so that was nice. And where's home? Uh, Centralia. Okay, so not too far. Yeah, it's, it's the place with orphans as a mascot. <laughs> orphans are the mascot i i'm not joking <laughs> so Dang. why are orphans the town mascot is that like the school mascot are yes. you like the centralia high orphans <laughs> <laughs> okay that what it, what's it needs to be called for now on um just because that's funny but uh so like the deal is is that i okay i've heard a couple different stories about this i don't know which is true or if it's a combination of both one i think i heard is just that because there was, like, historically, there was, like, a coal mine, like, accident in Centralia, and it left, like, a bunch of orphans, and that's why the high school student, like, the high school sports team got called the orphans. I don't know how true that is. It might be super true. It might not at all be. I also heard it had something to do with, like, poverty and the quality of clothing at the time. Mm -hmm. um, like, hey, they look like a bunch of orphans, so they just took the name. Um, maybe it's neither. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Um, I don't know, honestly. But that seems like really harsh for somebody who actually is an orphan right? at the yeah. school now, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I get historical context, but there's a lot of people on there that aren't orphans, and then there might be, like, the few students that are orphans, and it's like, yeah, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it also seems like one of those issues where – like, how intimidating are you to the opposing team? See, this is how I learned it was a strange name. Because one day I was online. It was always normal to me. Um, one day I was online, and I was like a Cracked.com article from way back. And I saw, like, a list of the strangest sports team's names and listed as most pathetic sports team name, the Orphans from Centralia, Illinois. <laughs> it's like, can you just imagine the Orphans facing off against the Tigers? That, that said, to their credit, I think, like, from what I remember, our basketball team was supposed to be really good, to their right. credit. Um, but just I know the name itself is not does not like bag intimidation. Uh, to people that are on the orphan sports team, this is no hate to you. Uh, <laughs> I 
I, I, this is no statement of your quality at all. I'm just saying that the name itself is strange. You had no control in that matter whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just, yeah. I, you know, like we have the Chicago Bulls and a bull is kind of intimidating. You don't want to be on a basketball court against a bull or a Memphis Grizzly. <laughs> but like if you were on a basketball court against a Chicago orphan, you would feel like, this is completely unfair. I am going to destroy <laughs> these children. Like, like, a, like it's like the image of a tiger versus Oliver Twist. Like, <laughs> Oliver Twist is running at them with his like little walk on a stick. And hey, take this tiger! It reminds me of the story, uh, the lady and the tiger. And so now I'm imagining we're just putting orphans through this ordeal and everything. But. I mean, if they do win, then that's a pretty badass set of orphans, though. Like, there you go. Like, it's Oliver Twist rising above like this bloody heap of tigers. I am unstoppable. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna get in trouble with both the orphan people and Peta, so we should probably <laughs> move on quickly. Okay, but my pitch for a sequel to uh, Oliver Twist, Oliver Twist, tw Twist Two, The Orphan, is <laughs> a combination of the horror film and that's. An inspirational sports film. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump right on into news before we get ourselves into too big of a hole. Um, so the rumor is that we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think, that PlayStation will be announcing their Spartacus service sometime this week. This is their new three-tiered competitor to Xbox Game Pass. Um you know, it, it seems that maybe the details are still a little in flux about what will be included and the prices and that sort of thing. But what seems to be fairly clear from multiple sources is that it will be a three-tier system of some kind. And, you know, just my personal take, it seems confusing. <laughs> like, I feel like Microsoft has done a good job of unconfusing their system to the point where you know, basically Game Pass Ultimate is the thing that they they advertise the most now. There still is just like the PC version, just the console version, but they don't even really talk about those anymore, and it's pretty much just pitching that uh, Game Pass Ultimate. And that seems a much easier sales pitch, whereas Sony, where you need charts to figure out what you're <laughs> subscribing to, yeah. seems really confusing, and that's... Coming from me, somebody who teaches video games and is into video games, and I can't imagine for the general public how confusing this is going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I don't have high hopes <laughs> for it making a lot of sense or for it being... I don't know. I, I don't have high hopes. <laughs> It, it seems like a confused messaging. It reminds me kind of, of what Nintendo has been doing with their Switch Online service, where mm -hmm. you have the online service, but then there's an expansion pass, and what it includes and doesn't include is maybe not super uh, straightforward to people. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm already seeing, like, the future documentaries about how this did not work out. Because like, <laughs> like, I know there's that channel on YouTube, The Gaming Historian, and I just already can hear them saying, like, PlayStation had the idea for Spartacus, but it did not play out that well. And <laughs> goes into detail, etc. Yeah. To be fair, everything we've gotten has been leaks, so there may be a lot, a lot better information coming out once they actually release. That's true. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, 
I'm excited to hear about if they're going to have new games be on this uh, on Spartacus like Game Pass does, or if mm-hmm. it's just going to be old games. Mm-hmm. Which I'll have it either way. I've been uh, with PlayStation now. I've really enjoyed the games I've been playing, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna get Spartacus, but still. So you do subscribe to PlayStation now? Yes. Currently. Yes. And how do you find the selection of games? Because I haven't subscribed to that yet, and you know I wasn't quite sure. Because at least when it first launched, it was all streaming, and then they started doing downloadable games, which sold me more on it. Um, but even then, at first, when they launched that uh, aspect, there just wasn't a wide selection. So how do you find that selection now? So the selection is pretty good itself. Um, the big problem that I have is that if a game is only streaming you only get selected DLC from it. You don't get all of it. Um, so I think I talked about this before. Uh, Castlevania, is it Harmony of Despair? Um, that was on the PlayStation 3, had multiple DLC packs come out. But because it's only streaming on PlayStation now, you only get the first DLC pack, which is good, but there was a lot of stuff that was included in the other DLC that is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So I was hoping that they switch that somehow. Um, so I'm hoping Spartacus will address something like that. Otherwise, the, the rest of the games, everything that I've looked for has been there. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that. But I also have a very limited scope of games. Um, so that might just be me. Right. Uh, well, speaking of an OJ game, um, <laughs> no. Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. Uh, the reports coming out of Japan is that it has bombed pretty hard in Japan. Uh, the details that I saw were that um, it has sold worse than 24 other Final Fantasy spinoffs wow. and only better than three, um, one of which I had never even heard of. <laughs> so <laughs> it might have been one of those that just never even left Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Final Fantasy has traditionally been a, a, a solid rock in Japan, a, a guaranteed mm-hmm. seller and everything. Mm-hmm. Um this one has apparently not been selling particularly well in Japan. Um, and, you know, I think the, the big question is, is it just not landing with Japanese audiences or is it not landing with anyone anywhere? So I, there's a lot of really bad parts to the game. Um, as, as someone who is a diehard Final Fantasy fan, as someone who's looking forward to this, there are a lot of really horrible parts to the game. The storyline ended up... I finished it last night, actually, at, like, 3 a.m. Um, the storyline got better. It's still it's still really edgy, but, you know, it got better. But the, the gameplay is just is rough. The targeting system is horrible. Um, the inventory system is horrible because, like, as you're fighting, enemies are dropping all kinds of equipment, um, but there's not, like, you find a treasure chest and you get a piece of equipment that you can only get there, Right. Um, all of the different stuff. Like I had multiple versions of Ogre Killer, multiple versions of all of these other weapons that are very specific and armor pieces that are very specific. And I'm just getting tons of them with different levels and different stats. So the, na- the name is all that's really a part of the armor. Not There's not really anything special about them. So I'm really upset with that because I always like finding better equipment. And also, uh, slight spoiler for anyone who may be playing it, so close your ears. Um, just like Final Fantasy XV, the thing that I hated the most, at the very end of the game, the uh, main character goes off to fight by himself because the other characters in the game get taken away. Um, so you're just fighting a one-player game after learning this whole battle system throughout the entire game. And then um, it's, uh, it was, it's just not okay. 
So, I mean, did you not enjoy the experience? Because it sounded like you were enjoying it early on, and now you've soured on it. So was it just the ending soured you, or are you kind of down on the whole game? I'm just kind of down on the whole game because, like, I'll end a level with hundreds of pieces of equipment that I would never touch, right? Mm. So I'm not getting good stuff out of it. The leveling system is where you're leveling different classes is okay, um, but I leveled Sage early on and nothing else compared to it because Sage was the first, like, advanced class that I opened up um, and nothing compared to it. So I'm going through and trying to level all of these other characters that are just nowhere near as good as Sage and not playing the ca- the class that I wanted to play because I had to level these other ones, right? So uh, overall, like, I'm, I'm glad that the game is there. Um, the storyline is added to Final Fantasy One. It, it's I didn't think it was going to be a prequel because of how it started, but it did end up being a prequel to Final Fantasy One. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, I don't know. They they could have used another year of work and development on it. Mm. That's disappointing because mm-hmm. you know as much as I've joked about the game, there was <laughs> something kind of appealing about its goofiness mm-hmm. and. You know, it feels like the sort of game we don't get a whole lot of anymore. Mm-hmm. More that we got during the PlayStation 2 era. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it seemed, seemed interesting. So maybe pick up on the cheap, not full price. Yeah, definitely. Don't pay the $80 for the season pass. Lord. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about some tech companies trying to get into video games. Uh, one is Netflix. They bought... Boss Fight Entertainment. Um, you know, do you have any interest in Netflix games? Has anybody tried Netflix's games? I have not, but it honestly, it it, it kind of makes me feel like, you know, life is a cycle. I mean, I remember when Blockbuster had games, <laughs> and, like, that was the only way my sister and I were able to play the Super Smash Bros. Brawl game at home. And so... And correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I remember Netflix having games back in the days when they would send out DVDs. I could be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. I could be misremembering, but it, it there feels like... There was Gamefly. Like there yeah. was Gamefly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just it feels like we're circling back to something we've had before, which I missed because I like being able to, you know, rent a game for three days and stay up mm-hmm. till 2 a.m. playing it every night to try and beat as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Right. That ticking down clock mm-hmm. of I have to finish as much of this game as I possibly can in forty eight hours. <laughs> also, exactly. just getting it, being able to try it out before you commit. Yeah, so this has been so far what they've been doing is uh, mobile games, so you can like download them onto your phone and everything. If you have a Netflix subscription, they're games based around their TV shows and movies. Um, you know, there's a Stranger Things. They've made a couple games uh, surrounding it. I know one of them was kind of decent. One of them was pretty terrible in my personal experience with it. Um, but, yeah, it seems interesting to think of them trying to be more than just video um, and, you know, where that might take Netflix eventually with this service. Uh, go, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just thinking, I could see where, like, this would be really good for something like visual novels, um, which kind of do, like, feel like a cross between, you know, like, well, on one hand reading a comic book and playing a game or something, but also, like, watching a TV show and playing 
uh, game um, that, you know, you could even just put that on streaming, like with regular Netflix, I could see, because um, it's just, the difference is you're just like, you already have, you've, they've already done the stuff, like I think they put out like that Minecraft story mode thing on there right. before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's something else my I'm slipping on, but there's something else they had. Well, there's some choose-your-own-adventure style movies that they have on there. So there's one yeah. for uh, Black Mirror. And That's there, what I was thinking of. There was one they released very recently on there that I did play a little bit of. Um, but, you know, calling those games is a stretch to some extent. But, right. Yeah. But being more interactive, you know, certainly I, I see the appeal for a lot of people who aren't into video games for that. Um, along those same lines, Amazon, their Amazon Games, the head of that division, uh, Mike uh, Frazzini, uh, has stepped down after over ten years heading up that division, during which they have shipped like a total of three games, I believe. <laughs> um, it has been sort of an unmitigated disaster for them, and there have been stories for a while that Frazzini. Uh, was really coming with a sort of top-down approach, sort of heavy-handed. Um, the idea being that they thought every game had to be the biggest game ever made and that there was quite a bit of frustration with the developers working for Amazon. Um, you know, they made them develop their own game engine, um, and the, which was called Lumberyard. Uh, a lot of the developers were frustrated working with that. And, you know... Him leaving seems like a possibility for a new day, though I'm, I guess I just don't know how much of that problem was him and how much of it was just the corporate structure of Amazon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are, are you excited for companies? You know, we've seen Google fell at this. We've seen Amazon fell at this. Netflix is stumbling quite a bit, if not completely failing. Um are you excited to see these sorts of companies get in because they bring a lot of money and potentially investment? Or do you think that there's just going to be continued failures on their part? Well, I think throughout the history of, of companies trying to make um, hardware or software for games, it's just not really gone well for most people. Um, so we have like the big people that jump in and are surprising, like Sony with the PlayStation or Microsoft with the Xbox. Um, but a lot of companies just aren't doing very well. So I think if a company wants to actually have some type of gaming division, they need to split it off and fund a different company that has a different structure because it seems like the structure for other types of companies trying to do games just isn't ever going to work. Well said, OJ. Thank you. (laughs) Everybody approves of OJ's (laughs) message. (laughs) I, too, approve of this. I just want to say I learned all of that in Justin's class. So I'm just, I'm repeating what Justin has taught us. Hopefully I was correct. In what I was <laughs> For everybody that's just listening, which is, I mean, it's all of you, a single tear just passed down Justin's eye. Like, <laughs> and he whispered, like, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm going to get a little tattoo where that tattoo <laughs> Um so, um, speaking of companies that are already in video games, uh, Xbox has placed Kim Swift in charge of their cloud gaming division. Uh, Kim Swift, to most people, is notable for being uh, one of the heads behind Portal. Um, you know, well, Portal, I think, which is widely considered to be one of the you know most inventive games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
ever made. And um, now she's heading up their cloud gaming division. So this is uh, this is Xbox's attempt to develop games that will use the power of the cloud. So um, potentially having you know more than say thirty-two or sixty-four players, potentially having hundreds or thousands of players interacting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. This isn't just streaming games online, but like using that power to enhance games in some ways. So, you know, it seems like a good hire, somebody who is certainly super qualified. Um, uh, You know, that seems exciting. If they can do something really innovative with that beyond just, hey, we can stream games to you. Mm -hmm. We can actually make your games better. Um, EA... EA's having quite a few issues. Uh, first off, they have delayed their new PGA Tour game to 2023. So if you like EA PGA Tour, there is no game this year in that series. Uh, the second thing is they are replacing FIFA branding. So there will no longer be uh, FIFA 23 or whatever number we're on um, from Electronic Arts. They are supposedly going with the new name EA Sports FC, which for those of you who aren't soccer fans stands for football club. So I don't, I don't know. Did any of you play FIFA? No, not much of a FIFA crowd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do not. My boyfriend is super into FIFA. Oh, okay. So. Well, tell him that he may have to look for a slightly <laughs> different name. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I will report back next week with his reaction to this. <laughs> and nothing against it, just not my cup of tea. Sure. I think one thing that's kind of interesting is the idea that big names don't matter in sports games anymore. So, like, we have NBA 2K is the biggest basketball game. It's not Michael Jordan's basketball. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Charles Barkley's Shut Up and Jam. Mm-hmm. It's none of those, like, fun, creative titles of old. Um, where, you know, you need it, that branding to stick out on a store shelf. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't seem like anyone cares anymore. Um, you know, you don't need FIFA on the box. You don't need, um, you know, some big athlete on the box anymore. I mean, they still do their cover athletes, but it doesn't matter as much that that name is attached to the title of the game, it seems. Mm-hmm. So that seems like an interesting shift. Um, the creator of Tetris, Alexei... Uh, I never know how to pronounce his name. Um, Pajanov, I think. Pajanov. Okay. Um, Alexei Pajanov uh, came out with a statement. Uh, if you don't know, Alexei Pajanov is Russian. Um, he actually developed uh, Tetris while he was, uh, while part of the Soviet Union. The original marketing slogan was uh, from Russia with fun when they were selling <laughs> that game. Um <laughs> And so he came out with a statement about the war in Ukraine. And I just thought this was, was interesting because he is by far, I think, the most uh, notable uh, Russian in video game development. But he said, uh, the bloody war running now in Ukraine is so awful that nobody could stay aside. The soulless, crazy dictator who started this evil is a war criminal and will be stopped and condemned. It is very sad and shameful that the big part of people in Russia still do not realize that. I am sure that Putin and his hateful regime will fall down and the normal peaceful way of living will be restored in Ukraine and hopefully in Russia. Uh, It should be noted he lives in the U.S. now, so that is why he is free. 
to make a statement like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's also a very uncomfortable situation for him condemning mm-hmm. not his country, but, um, you know, certainly the current government. Mm-hmm. Um, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, which is <laughs> just a great title. <laughs> Um, has been delayed to spring 2023. And I feel like it was just a couple of weeks ago we were actually talking about this in the news and that this game was supposed to come out this fall and now it's been pushed to spring. So I expect a lot more delays like that this year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Halo series has de- debuted its first episode on the Paramount Plus streaming service. Did anybody watch this? I do not have Paramount Plus, Same. so I cannot, oh. but... I didn't, I didn't realize it came out, but I'm probably going to watch it this week. So I did watch this, mm-hmm. um, and I'll give a very quick review. I think it's kind of interesting. It is definitely not in the canon of the video games. They're mm-hmm. sort of taking the canon of the video games and running with it in kind of their own direction. Um, the CG is sometimes a little iffy, uh, particularly on the Covenant. Um they certainly look like they do in the video games, but unfortunately, sometimes they look like video games. <laughs> um, and so there's some problems with that. Um, but I, I think they're trying to do something interesting with it. They're really putting, um, what is it, the USNC, they're really putting it as the villain in the series mm-hmm. so far. And really making it a question about, you know, war and war propaganda and everything. And that's an old story that's been done a ton of times. But also, like, and I'll offend the Halo fans here, Halo doesn't really have that great of a story to begin with. It's sort of a generic sci-fi story of, oh, there's this super religious alien species that is fanatical and... Um, you know, AI run amok and all this. And so I, I think they're doing something kind of interesting. There's only one episode out, so it's hard to tell. But, um, you know, I think it's, I will continue watching um, going forward with the additional episodes. Halo story lovers, please send all your hate mail to Justin. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I'm or, not hey, a, or send agreements <laughs> if anyone agrees. <laughs> I'm not a huge Pokemon fan, and I don't think Halo has that amazing of a story. Great game. <laughs> just not that amazing of a story. See, for everyone just listening, you cannot see Justin just dropped a mic. <laughs> and started, like, burning a Stop. set of Halo books. <laughs> no, that would get me in trouble with a whole different crowd. So. <laughs> Uh, Vampire Survivors, one of my favorite little games, um, announced their roadmap to their 1.0 release. They're currently in early access. They're getting five more levels, nine more characters, 16 more weapons, and two more power-ups, which is quite a bit of content to add to that game, and so that's pretty Mm -hmm. exciting. Um, You know, again, that game is currently $3. I think it's entirely worth your $3. (laughs) Um, and it'll run on just about any PC, I would imagine. I picked it up, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. But I'm very excited that they're adding more to it, just from hearing you talk last week. Yeah, it, it needed more content, so you know this is this sounds good. Um, this is just kind of a, a sad note, but I thought it was worth uh, including um, Muhammad Fami, Fami, 
Um, it was the developer of the visual novel Coffee Talk, which is apparently quite beloved. Um, Ryan, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I'm I'm going to get it soon. I, it's actually been on my list of things to look at, and it's after this, it's gone up there. Yeah, he, he apparently died uh, very recently in the last week. Um, he was only 32 years old, so it's very tragic. Um, you know, it, I think... Yeah, I think it makes a lot of people kind of want to check out his work. And so, um, you know, certainly our thoughts are with his family and friends and everything. Mm -hmm. um, this is just, for me personally, um, The we talked about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection, which is 13 games across NES and Game Boy and Super Nintendo, Genesis and Arcade that they're releasing um, they made a note on the Amazon listing that it does not include a free coupon for Pizza Hut. So for those who don't remember, the original um, arcade game when it came out on the NES had a coupon inside you could redeem. I think it was made for like a personal pan pizza, like one of those mm -hmm. small ones you got yeah. through Book It. If, mm -hmm. Did you do Book It when you were in school? Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> is that a yes? <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> it's a disgrace, and it's a huge missed opportunity. I, I, you know, I look at this, and I'm like, this makes me feel like, on the one hand, when they're like, there's no free coupon for Pizza Hut. I'm like, but is there a free coupon for another pizza place? <laughs> but at the same time, it just wouldn't be the same if it's not mm -hmm. Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, it... Um, the developers were actually out on Twitter saying, hey, Pizza Hut, get in touch with us. We would love to talk to one of you about making this happen. <laughs> so it's Pizza Hut that missed the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, the developers are keen on doing it, whether they financially can or not is another story. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans, please send all your hate mail to Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it just seems like one of those cool things that they should do, um, you know, you're playing on nostalgia, play on the nostalgia of people who remember getting that free coupon and, you know, got their little personal pan pizza. Um, all right, that does it for news. So let's move on to what you're playing. Alicia, I am assuming you're still Pokemoning it up. So, <laughs> well, yes, but also. We did go and pick up Kirby in the Forgotten Land because that released on Friday. Oh, wow. So I, I have not picked that up yet. So what's the full version? Um, like? I'm We're not super far. I've been playing it with my boyfriend on co-op mode, mm -hmm. which is really nice because, you know, a lot of the games that I, we've been playing are like one player and then, you know, the other person sits there and, you know, helps out with tips, points out where to go, stuff like that. But this one we actually get to play together, which is really nice. Um, Those I'm, who play together stay together. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, we're not super far into it. We got through everything that the demo had. So we've beaten the first boss. We've got through the first areas, but not a whole lot further than that yet. I will say I'm enjoying it a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about with the demo, the gameplay and the visuals, um, I think right now it's a little less open world than I had expected where, you know, you finish a level and then, okay, you get to kind of move around, but you really just move to the next level. Mm. It's still like a world map mm -hmm. that you go on to rather than step out and run to the next location. And that's where this thing is. Right. It's okay. Here's world one dash one, one dash two, 
1-3 with a couple of offshoots for the sword copy ability challenge and different challenges for different copy abilities. So so almost like Super Mario 3D World where you get an overworld map, but you're really still just going from level to level. You're, you don't really have that much exploration choice in there. Yeah, and that might change later on in the game, but at the point that we're at right now, it's still like that, which I don't mind. I just think it's different than what I had expected with everyone talking about, you know, this is going to be the first open world Kirby game. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying it so far. That's great to hear because I'm, I've been very, very tempted to pick up that game, <laughs> but I have such a backlog. I'm like, I don't really need Kirby, but I really need Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> you do. I'm already one of my favorite Twitch streamers, Small Ant released a YouTube video with like the new Kirby game is a pure and wholesome experience. And I was like, I cannot watch this yet. <laughs> I have to beat the game first. <laughs> yeah. That's always the uh, challenge of being a streamer fan is I can't watch your content. I'm sorry. I actually want to <laughs> play this myself, experience it for myself. Um, all right. Um, and Pokemon still going well, still, still going. We're, we're stuck on trying to get a doggone Chimchar. <laughs> we found it three times. Isn't that the way it always goes? Yep. We found it three times, and all three times it has run away. And <laughs> rather than progress the story, my boyfriend keeps going back and resetting to nighttime because that's the only time you can catch it in this location. Rather than moving forward to where it might be easier to find later on. <laughs> I'm picturing like some Wiley e. Coyote run Roadrunner situation. <laughs> that darn Chimchar. Yep. He's always outsmarting us. <laughs> um, all right, Ryan, what have you been up to? So um, I haven't played anything other really than Disco Elysium lately. And I'm not, so it was another busy week, so I didn't get super far, much further into it. But I do want to announce like some things that like I'm, continuing to appreciate more and more as I go into it. Sure. Um, so, like I said, it's, like, you're playing one character, but it's an RPG, and there's, like, a, and his stats are, like, their own complex set of characters. Like, he's got his uh, psyche, his intellect, his physicality, and, like, they all have, like, their own stats. And, like, each of those stats, like, themselves have their own voices that, like, chime in into, like, his inner monologue and, like, internal debates and arguments and stuff while he's talking to other characters and affects, like, decisions of what he has to say. So it's really cool to see, like, just a game that captures the complexity of how a character thinks mm -hmm. um, through its game mechanisms. Um, so when, like, you know, I've heard it get called very literary. I see what people are talking about. Um, other it's, things... It's almost an inner monologue that's going on. Right. It sounds like. Right. Um, and another thing I appreciate is just how deep the lore in this game gets. Like... I started exploring a bookstore in it recently, and there's, like, I think four different books I can possibly buy in it um, at di different prices, and, like, I, I couldn't buy some because I, it's hard to get money in this game. But um, just hearing, like, you get to, like, look at and check out the sections, and it becomes, like, this whole, like, complex list of things you can look at or ask about the books, and you start learning more about the world in doing so. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a way, way of lore building in a way that works with the game. It doesn't just feel like, okay, let's just throw a bunch of lore at you. Um, it feels well intertwined with how you're playing the game. And same thing with how you talk to other characters. Like when I start, so you're a detective and when you start investigating them, you can like ask things in different ways or make different comments. 
um, kind of building your characters as you go along, you might, uh, you know, decide who you agree with, disagree with in the process. But they also give a lot of information about what they're doing there in that world, why they're there. And you start learning a lot about, like, the economics of the island that you're on and, like, the history of, like, workers and labor and stuff. And it just, again, works. It it tells all this lore in a way that works with the ongoing story in the game. Um and something else I think I commented on is, like, the walking and the movement is awkward, but in a way that works with the game. But my biggest way to compare this to is it kind of feels like when I first tried to play the Resident Evil games, and you're doing an overhead shot, and, you know, it kind of feels awkward to move them at first. Yeah, the tank um, controls in the old Resident Evil games. It feels, the controls feel a little more consistent than that and less difficult to figure out, but you feel kind of weak and fragile moving around this world. And I think that does a good, but that feels strategically and aesthetically relevant because I think it shows you kind of how overwhelming and how overpowered you are in this world that you're moving through. Mm. Um, and it's neat because so I'm somebody that's been getting back into video games lately. I, I've mostly done board and card games for a long time and recently I've been getting more into video games again. Um, and I think it's cool to also kind of see what I tend to like in video games because I played this just after I played AI, the Somnium Files. Um, and again, it's kind of like you're investigating and figuring out more about the stories you go along and doing like point and click detective work and doing kind of visual novel talking with characters. Uh, so it's just been kind of cool to discover what I like right now in gaming. Have you played the Phoenix Wright games? That's on my list of things to play next. Um, yeah. Those and a game called Steingate. Yeah, the, the Phoenix Wright games sound right up your alley. Yeah. Um, and, and those are just great games, period. But, right. like, they sound particularly, like, right up your alley. Um, all right. Uh, OJ, um, anything else to say about Final Fantasy Origins or anything else you're playing? Oh, I have a lot to say. So, <laughs> um, so uh, I'm. Uh, it's been out a few weeks. I'm going to have some spoilers. If you're planning on playing it and don't want the story spoiled, maybe skip ahead a little bit. We may have to give OJ his own spin-off podcast <laughs> <laughs> just to chronicle this game. Okay. So, uh, like I said, I finished it last night. The storyline, it wrapped up. It's not good. So, uh, again, big spoilers coming up, um, although it's kind of telegraphed throughout the game. In each area that you go to, it's saying, oh, this area was pulled from dimension, like, one. This one was pulled from dimension two, right? Those dimensions are the different Final Fantasy games that have been out. Right, so there was Dimension Fifteen, and it was the castle from Final Fantasy Fifteen. Like it led directly mm -hmm. up to the the um, the throne room, right where the final battle is. Which uh, there's a lot of problems with Final Fantasy Fifteen too. Um, and then it turns out that the main characters now are actually the villains in Final Fantasy One. Right, so there's this big big edgy turn where like they kept on repeating time over and over and over and over and over again. Um, because the Luf I'm going to say this on the Lufrenians uh, were trying to control them and trying to balance darkness and light. And if someone had too much darkness with emotion, they would become chaos, right? And they wanted to avoid chaos happening. So the main character Jack kills all of the character, the other characters, and then becomes chaos. Goes and fights the Lufrenians, and they get set back at a reset, which is then the 2,000 years before Final Fantasy I when the actual Warriors of Light come and defeat the Fiends in Chaos. And the four Fiends are your four other characters in the game, and then Chaos slash Garland is Jack, because you find out right at the end that Jack's last name is Garland, 
right? So it leads to the, the <laughs> wow, right? It leads to the first Final Fantasy. So it's a prequel, even though you were already fighting the fiends, which were actually the people that were on your team already, um, because they died in the past and became the fiends, and then you fought them, and then so it's a time loop game. Yeah, it's another time loop game. Yeah. So Final Fantasy One was a time loop. And uh, like every time the four warriors of light defeated chaos, the fiends would merge their power and send chaos or Garland back in time. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so this is, this is all of the time loops up to the very last one where you, where the actual warriors of light come through and defeat Jack and the other characters in this game and actually win. Cause they said, we're going to train them so they can actually defeat chaos and destroy it and get rid of it. Right. So, so let me ask you, because, you know, my impression from what I've seen in this game is that the four main characters are kind of unlikable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and again, this is a very small section I've seen. Does this justify them being unlikable then? Because no. they end up becoming the villains? <laughs> no. That, Don't sugarcoat it, OJ. Tell us how you really feel. They're, they're not necessarily unlikable as you're playing. There's snippets that make them all unlikable, but they're not unlikable as you're playing. They, they kind of grow on you. They grow on the main character, right? Like fungus? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes. They, like, they're not really fully fleshed out. They all have personalities, but like... None of all of their memories are erased with every time loop, so they don't. There's no background for them, right? They remembered little snippets here and there, but that's it, right? And then, okay, so you beat the game, and it shows Jack sitting on the throne where chaos, like Garland, is in chaos in the first game, and then the other four people are there, and they're they're sitting there, and then it like shows him at the be, which would be the very beginning of Final Fantasy One, picking up Sarah and walking out of the like. The, um, the palace with her, right? So then it goes to the credits and it plays the song My Way by Frank Sinatra. What? And, <laughs> and so I, That's I, the would never, response. I would never venture to say that I know what Frank Sinatra was thinking when he created the song, but it was not that. Okay. No, he, he and definitely was thinking of chaos. I guess you can say they chaos. do it his way. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so it slightly makes sense because Jack is the one who, throughout the time loop, kept on organizing what was happening and, and eventually organized what happened to pull them out of this time loop with the Lufrenians. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention that Astos, who is like one of the big bads in Final Fantasy One, was a good character in the in this game eventually um, mm. because he was the one that was he watched over them throughout the time loop and he's the one who helped Jack orchestrate the whole thing. And then he ends up dying, which is weird because he shows up in final fantasy one. So I guess he was anyway, it's a time so, loop. His death yeah. was greatly exaggerated. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> he's only mostly dead. <laughs> I do think that there's something fitting in this. Cause you said like it, it's like, and I did it my way with Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And it's like, you just talked about how unlikable the characters are. And this is like a song by like a, a grumpy sis white man about how he did it his way. <laughs> exactly. So I'm just like, I think there's something kind of fitting about that in a weird way. Exactly. It, exactly. it, it feels like, like early 2000s, like rap rock or something, <laughs> right? Personified as a game. Can like, you imagine Eminem meets Frank Sinatra? <laughs> meets Limp Biscuit, meets Smash Mouth. Yeah, Limp Biscuit. I think that's right. the sort of tone I'm thinking of with this. So 
Let me ask you, you say it's drawing from these other games, these mm-hmm. different zones from the different Final Fantasy games. Yeah. So you're a, a pretty diehard Final Fantasy fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you know the games even better than I do, mm-hmm. and I've played most of the numbered Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. Is there any appeal in that respect for long-term fans? So I was very excited because the Final Fantasy VI one, we were on the floating continent. Uh, I was very excited to see that. I know they did something similar in Final Fantasy fourteen, the MMO. I haven't been there, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but having a big 3D like floating continent and you go and you fight against the statues, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, in the Final Fantasy seven one, it's a Mako reactor, which if I hadn't just played the Final Fantasy seven reboot, it would have been a lot more exciting to see. But it was, it was essentially... So not really anything thing. special compared to remake. Yeah, a lot of the other ones, it just it wasn't that that special for me. Um, with the other ones, but the Final Fantasy VI, I really really liked that, um, and that was about it actually, if we're being honest. So, <laughs> and then the Chaos Shrine was like, oh, this one just appeared out of nowhere, but obviously it was from Final Fantasy One, so that it would have been Dimension One, that same dimension. Um, but yeah, the floating continent was worth it. Unfortunately, you would have to get through the rest of the game to get to it because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's at the end. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know if it would be worth it to get the game to get there. I'm hoping they do some type of updates and make the game a little better. Um, and I'm going to be playing through again in chaos mode. So uh, I guess maybe I'll, I'll be able to look at it through a different eye and see. Is chaos mode... The new game plus? Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's not even a new game plus. You can just go back through the quests that you did already, and you spend, like, a shard to make them more difficult and raise their level. Um, so I think you can you can upgrade all of the jobs. They all ended at uh, level 30, and I think that you can eventually upgrade them to up to level 99 uh, going through all of the different uh, quests. But it doesn't sound like that's something you want to do. No, but I'm too much of a fan to not like fully complete it. That's it's a okay. downfall for me. Well, so, you put the money in. You might as well yeah. get your money's worth out mm-hmm. of it, even if the game wasn't mm-hmm. ideal. Yeah. I'm gonna do it very slowly because I think I'm gonna buy Kirby and play it <laughs> this week just to like <laughs> w- like cleanse my palate and probably pick, <laughs> play Vampire Survivors for a little bit too, and then I'll go back to it. Those sound like good palate cleanser games <laughs> <laughs> after this. Eat a car, um, cleanse your palate. <laughs> <laughs> so I have continued playing Elden Ring. Uh, Ryan, you and I talked uh, last week after recording the podcast, and mm-hmm. you were asking me, for somebody who hasn't liked the other Souls games, is this the one that will actually kind of win you over? And, you know, I, I, I've not been a huge Souls fan. Uh, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, you know, Bloodborne is probably the one that I've enjoyed the most out of all of those. Um, and I think this is easier maybe to get into than some of those other ones only because there's not a critical mission path. There's not just one route to go through the levels. You actually are given, you know, you go over here and you can't progress. You can't be this boss. You can run over here and try something else for a little while. And I think that, it doesn't make the game any easier. It's not that you don't still have to beat those bosses. Um, it just gives you the opportunity to go about it at your own pace in the way that the other Souls games that were much more funneling you through a level one way uh, didn't allow for. And so, you know, I think 
that's made it fun for me. And a lot of the fun I've had in the game is just kind of exploring the world um, and finding, you know, all the new things that you discover in it. And so I think it's been a, um, a really good experience. And I, I, you know, tentatively recommend that game to most people. Um, though, you know, if the only game you've ever played before is a Kirby game, this is going to be quite the emotional shock for you. <laughs> Especially when Kirby eats everything in this one. So you mean the deadly things aren't the cute things? <laughs> <laughs> right. Kirby, which is like this, you know, destroyer of worlds and everything. <laughs> uh, the other game that I was playing a little bit, uh, I really want to get into Tunic, and I haven't had a chance yet for that. I know that's going to be more of a time commitment, but I've been playing a game called Nippon uh, Marathon, um, which is this game that... Um, remember Most Extreme Elimination Challenge that used to be on... Uh, what was that channel... It was the men's channel, whatever that was for a while. Um, Spike? Yeah, Spike oh, TV. Yeah. Do you, any of you ever watched Most Extreme Elimination Channel or no, Challenge? That. It was the Japanese game show that they they brought over, re-edited, and dubbed over with American announcers. So the Japanese game show is a show called Takeshi's Castle. Um, and basically this is that made into a video game um it's sort of like fall guys as a local couch uh competitive game so instead of running against 100 other players you're just four players and you're running through city-based levels and you're trying to um either be the last one standing or to get so far ahead you push the other players off the back of the screen mm -hmm. And then the levels themselves are interactive. So like you're jumping through walls and you're climbing upstairs and, uh, you know, there are people walking around with giant uh, panes of glass that you can run through. <laughs> um, there are dogs that just randomly run out and attack you and they'll like kind of pull at your pant leg and slow you down. <laughs> um, it's a really kind of fun game. Uh, I mean, as like a multiplayer experience, there is a story <laughs> mode and Ryan, you might be interested in this. The story mode is 90% visual novel and 10% running through the levels. <laughs> so much so that like I kind of get tired of it, um, the visual novel aspect and everything. Uh, but it, it's, a, it's a neat experience. It, it's not the greatest game in the world. Uh, but again, and I'm not, I got it as part of a bundle, so I'm not entirely sure on the pricing on it. But I would say under $10, it's maybe worthwhile, particularly if you have a group of friends that you could play it with on a regular basis who would sit down and engage in that with you and everything. Um, we are almost out of time. I don't know if we have enough time to do our last question before you all have to head out. Speed round. I can be quick. <laughs> okay, speed round. Here's our final question. What game world would you want to live in? So... What game sort of world universe, if you could choose to live in one, would you want to live in? I'm going to say Dark Souls. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you like uh, the game, fine, but wow. Right. No, I, was trying to, I was trying to think. I, I'm not sure because so many games have some type of like empire that you're trying to topple, and I feel like we're doing that already. But uh, I was thinking Earthbound is I kind of like the... That's a sweet world. Yeah. Like That's mm -hmm. an engaging world. It doesn't mm -hmm. seem, you know, other than the potential apocalypse coming. Right. <laughs> like <that> seems, <laughs> seems like a happy world to live in. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so my favorite games of all time are Resident Evil 4, <laughs> AI the Somnium Files, and the Mega Man Legends games. That said, uh, there's things trying to kill me in all those games. <laughs> um, or there's very threatening stuff. So another game I absolutely love, though, that I think would be my favorite world to actually live in is Animal Crossing. Uh, just because, like, I've been playing, like, the New Horizons. When that's the name of the one on the Switch, right? Right. I yeah. get the names yeah. mixed up. Um just because it's like such an easy breezy live and let live, create you know creative like creative game mm-hmm. where you get to be creative, where you have friends, where you get to thrive, and you know like it's even like a gender queer like safe space because mm-hmm. your character can like switch genders and stuff. Uh, like I mean, granted between masculine and feminine, so there's still, like a binary there, right? Right. But there's the idea that your character can be fluid, um, and that's just fine. And I you know I appreciate that as like a safe space for folks. And yeah, so Animal Crossing. You know, this morning there were deer in my front yard. Actually, it came up to my bedroom window and were, like, peering in like some creepos. Um, but anyways. Um, well, thank you for making this world threatening now. <laughs> but I, I'm just thinking, like, if I could have went out there and, like, you know, did a mortgage on my house with one of them. <laughs> and they would send their nephews to harass me. <laughs> it sounds like a wonderful world. Uh, Alicia, what game world do you want to live in? Um, I'm going to go with the Super Smash Brothers universe. That way I can have all the crossovers and watch all the tournaments. Mm-hmm. And But do you have to participate in them? I have the option because in later games you did start getting the Mii Fighters. Mm-hmm. So I could, but also <laughs> I could just watch. So I don't have to get my butt handed to me by a pink puff ball <laughs> and take your choice on if that's Kirby or Jigglypuff. <laughs> Who would be more embarrassing to lose to, Kirby or Jigglypuff? That's a good question. I I think I would be equally embarrassed by both. Because <laughs> I feel like it would be more humiliating to for people to see me get beat up by Kirby because they would see Kirby just, like, eat me entirely and then spit me back out, and, oh, maybe he would have red hair <laughs> for his hat. Kirby would just be gross. <laughs> and, but Jigglypuff, on the other hand, if the the minute that Jigglypuff sings, I'm already a heavy sleeper, so I won't even be awake <laughs> for any of that. So I won't be humiliated in the moment, but I will be humiliated afterwards. <laughs> well, um, I think I might choose the Wing Commander series because, you know, I grew up a big fan of Star Wars and The Last Starfighter and everything. So living in a futuristic world where starships are flying around sounds really cool plus there are things out there trying to kill me but they're like eight foot tall cats (laughs) (laughs) which if i have to go (laughs) you know like there's always the danger i die in my sleep and my two cats are very hungry in the morning and (laughs) before anyone else comes to check on me so you know like that may be how i go in this life so if i'm going to go in a fantasy world um maybe to an eight foot cat is not the worst way to go um probably way to go yeah um all right well thank you for uh joining me today and everything uh our next episode we'll have and then following that on april 7th and 8th we'll be doing an event called playing for pets You can go to playingforpets.com to find out more about this. If you are an SIU student, faculty, or staff member, you can participate as part of that. We're going to be raising uh, funds and taking donations of 
cat and dog food for St. Francis Care Animal Shelter in Murfreesboro, which is just the next town over. So if you want to participate, find out more information, go to playingforpets.com for that. Otherwise, we have to get out of here because several of us have meetings we have to get to. So thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next time. 